You're listening to the podcast of River of Life Christian Fellowship in Durant, Oklahoma. Visit us online at rolcf.org. One of the questions that we have asked throughout the, the, the opportunities that we've had to, to minister and teach in a teaching scenario is, uh, is a question God gave me years ago. Um, back in Minneapolis, I think at the first Bible school we were able to teach at, but it was uh, a question that it says, when you hear, do you hear according to what you know, or do you hear according to what you need to know? See, most of us have always listened according to what we know. You go to a church, you go to a meeting, and if what you hear doesn't line up to what you know, eh, it's wrong. <laughs> so what you've just determined is that everything that you know is right. Who made us God? <laughs> Has anybody ever been wrong before? Raise up your hand if you've ever been wrong before. I thought of that one. I was waiting for you to say that. Because I, I figured that you'd be the one to say that. Well, if, you, if, you, if you've been wrong once before, what makes you think you're not wrong now? Because you were dead set sure you were right then. One of the greatest experiences in my life has been a realization that it's okay to be wrong. I have come into such peace just knowing that my self-worth is not based on whether I'm right or whether I'm wrong. See, so many of us, our value system, the way we feel about ourselves, the way that we, I mean, we will, we will divide a relationship that you've had for 30 years just because of a right or wrong issue. Well, I'm right! So what? Does that make you more valuable? Because you're right. See, we think it does. But it doesn't. Matter of fact, you can be right and then be wrong at the same time. You may be right in all the right things, but your attitude of heart makes it wrong. You can be wrong, but be right on the inside. See, it's not about... A right or wrong issue. It's about what's in your heart. And when God showed me that He loved me just as much and that my value was just as great, even though I was thinking wrong, <laughs> I realized it was okay to be wrong. No, we don't want to stay there. And really, it's and then actually, as a transition, God's brought brought me to a place where I don't even ask the question whether it's right or wrong. I ask the question whether it's righteous or not. Because the very issue of being right or wrong comes from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil which God told man not to eat of it. I don't want you to have the capacity to determine right or wrong, good or evil. He said, don't eat in a tree. You'll be much happier not knowing right or wrong. To live in the garden, you can't ask the question right or wrong. 
Because as soon as they had the capacity of right or wrong, where were they kicked out of? <laughs> we live by a much higher standard. Is it righteous? And that's out of a relationship that we walk in every day with Jesus. See, God made us righteous with Him. Right standing. Righteousness is not something we do. It's not moral or ethical behavior. Righteousness is right standing with God. And that's what Jesus made us. He made us in right standing with God. And from that position, matter of fact, when we talk, I was going to say this for the end, but might as well talk about it now since we don't go, go by the notes anyway. Which I do have notes, I just don't go by it. You know why you sin? Don't raise your hand, but yeah, I want everybody to raise their hand. Does anybody have a sin problem? Raise up your hand. You know, we all missed the mark. We all missed the mark. You know why you sin? I agree with it now. <laughs> because you love yourself more than you love God in that situation. The devil didn't make you do it. I wish we could blame the devil. But see, in our life, what, what happens? See, our life is accumulation of self-worth and value. The existence of man, all men, man, not, not men, I'm talking about mankind. So ladies, you're, you're, not, you know, you're on the hook with the rest of it. What's that? <laughs> and it's okay, I love comments. Come on, we got I, 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 I go to a different level when I get crowd participation. But see, our whole existence as mankind is the accumulation of self-worth, of value, personal dignity. You know, the only reason that you make other people feel bad about themselves, you ever pick out someone's negatives or make someone point out their faults? Oh, the other churches. Oh, Dylan's proud of it. <laughs> uh -huh, uh -huh. The only reason you do that is to make yourself feel better. See, it's all a value issue. The more you can make, see, the less you feel about yourself, you you have to go out then and, and, and find fault in other people and other places and other things to make yourself feel better. You have to bring them down to make yourself feel better. And see, some of us, because of the condition of our heart, that's the way we've decided we're going to live because of what we've experienced in life. All because of a value issue. That's why it's so important for us to understand that in, in, in the book of First uh, Peter, it said that Jesus received value and dignity when he heard the voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. He didn't get his value from what man thought about him. He didn't have to please people to feel good about himself. He was pleasing to God, his Father, and so he could put up with whatever people put up, did to him. He could hang on the cross because he knew his, he could suffer that, I feel like preaching, he could suffer that rejection that man gave him because he, he knew who, who was for, he knew who God was for. He knew he was pleased, pleased by God. He was pleasing to God, his value, his dignity, his worth, his life, his essence of being on this planet was solidified in his heart because he heard God say it. 
in Matthew chapter 3 when he was baptized came up the first time he heard it this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased that was the first message I shared with this body of believers and it's just not a good message it is the essence of Christianity if there's one thing that you hear from my lips know whose son or daughter you are not because of what you do on the outside, but because He has already preordained you to be grafted into the family. He's already loved you. He's chosen you. Not because of what you do, but for His good pleasure, the Scripture says. Wow. Man. Now that's good for Take it off. But see, but see when, when Adam and Eve, see, when Eve partook of the, the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you know, the, the serpent came to her and he, she, he said, listen, the reason God doesn't want you to eat of that tree is because He knows the moment you do, you'll be like Him. And she said in her heart, I really believe in her heart, she goes, wow, you mean I can do something on the outside to be more like God? And she went and did it because she wanted to be like God. See, like a lot of us, we go to church because we want to be like Jesus. <laughs> Scripture says that Adam and Eve were created in the image and the they were already like God. See, there is something called the power of being. And that's what we're talking about in heart physics. There is something, there is Christianity is not a self-improvement program. Christianity is about finding out who you are on the inside. It's no longer I that liveth, but Christ that lives in me. When you can tap into that, when you grab a hold of that. Matter of fact, uh, this isn't, isn't even the notes. Turn with me to First Peter, First Peter chapter one. First Peter. Excuse me, Second Peter. My fault. Second Peter. Second Peter, chapter one, verse two. Grace and peace be multiplied to you. How are you going to get grace and peace multiplied? How are you going to receive more grace and peace multiplied, not added? How many people know the difference between added and multiplied? If you had money going into your bank account, do you want it added? Are multiplied. See, you know the difference. It says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge. So, what do you got to do to get grace and peace be multiplied into you? Nothing. You receive grace and peace by increasing in knowledge. Now, that word knowledge is not intellect. That word knowledge is the word gnosko. It implies an intimate personal relationship. It implies having personal, heartfelt, you know, in here. It's just not up here. It goes on and says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you uh, in the knowledge of God. The knowledge, of, not, not, not the knowledge of the Bible. So what if you know 
the order of the books of the Bible and how many chapters in each one. It says right here, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. And His divine power has given to us all things. Everybody say all things. All things that pertain to life and godliness through the what? Through what you do? No. Through the gnosko, the intimate personal relationship with. The more you get to know about what God's done for you through Jesus Christ your Lord, the more grace and peace, the more life, the more things that pertain to life and godliness you're going to come up, become aware to. The more you get to know about what God's done and what's been established for you in the heavenlies, the more you're going to have access to. It's already all yours, but it comes through the intimate personal relationship with. It comes through knowing God and what He's done. It goes on and says this, And His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue. Notice He called us by glory. That's His reality and His virtue. We have His reality, His glory, and His virtue. By which have been given to us, what's been given to us? Exceedingly great and precious promises. Wait a minute. If they've been given, why are we still trying to work for them? Why are we still jumping through charismatic, Pentecostal, faith loops, having a circus, trying to get something that's already ours? We're still trying to live on the law. We still think we can do better for ourselves through our ability than what Jesus did for us. We're going to talk about honor in just a second. Joy, don't let me forget to talk about honor. She's my, she's, she's my personal bookmarker. That's in my notes. It's in my, it's in my notes too. By which has been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers Oh, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. That through the promises, through the great and precious promises, we will be partakers of what? The divine nature. The divine nature of whom? God. That through his promises, he put see his see, God doesn't heal. Everybody understand that? Oh no, that's heresy right there. I, I got you. He is healing. Healing is not a job description. Oh, because you're God, you got to heal in Jesus' name. I'm telling you. He is healing. See, the, as we read in Romans uh, last week, and this is still, again, introduction to heart physics, he put his nature in nature, is what the scripture says. That in nature, he has put his invisible attributes See, they were invisible, so he made them visible by putting them in nature. So that's why we need to understand how physics works. And so here again, he's put his nature in promises that he's freely given so we can experience his nature. You want to experience God? What are some of the promises? Healing? He's healer. Uh, matter of fact, I've got my... Can you go in the office and get my, my old Bible? on the desk. Uh, we may, I don't know if you have this, but we, we can print them up for you if you'd like. But there's different names of God. Jehovah Shalom. 
Everybody know what the word shalom means, right? Peace. He's the God of peace. He is peace. See, it, it's just a, a, names describe the person. Okay, that, that's the way names used to be. They describe the person. And so the names of God that come out of the word are uh, uh, Jehovah Sidkenu. You've heard that one before? Okay. Y'all, some of y'all have. What is it? I'm gonna go down. You have a whole sheet of them. Okay. Well, we won't go with the whole thing then. But there's different names of God: Jehovah Shalom, Sidkenu, Rapha, Jehovah Jireh. That's a popular one, right? You know, that song came out. It's the names of God. It's his, see, he put his nature. See, God is healing. He is provider. He is prosperity. He is peace. He is righteousness. Those aren't just stripes that he's accomplished because he's God. His promises are, I mean, when you read the, when you start understanding what the promises are, when you're after the promises, you're after God. Don't let anybody... You know, the people that say, well, well, God's not for... Uh, healing's not for today. Have you ever heard that one? What they're saying is that aspect of God ain't going to shine in their life today. They don't want that nature of God. Come on. I want all of God, amen? I want the stuff I don't even know about. Because I guarantee you there's some of that. By which have been given to us, this is verse 4, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you might be partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in this world through lust. I'll tell you what, you want to escape the corruption in this world? Get to know who, what God's done for you through Jesus Christ. Participate in the promises that are already yours, and you will escape the lust of this world. You will overcome sin in your life. You know how come you will overcome sin in your life? See, see, really, when you got born again, you were supposed to die. I made the comment earlier. You know why you sin? Because you love yourself. Yeah, you like it. The, sin, the scripture says sin is pleasurable for a season. You, when you sin, you're literally saying, now you're not saying this out loud because we just do it by habit now. You're saying that this is more enjoyable than God. Now we don't think that. We should think that. It doesn't separate you from God. The scripture says nothing will separate you from the love of God. It might make you feel like you're not close to God. That's what happened to Adam in the garden. God was still there. God was still talking with him. God was still reaching out his hand. Adam was the one that separated himself, that, that moved apart. It changed Adam. It didn't change God. Okay? But when we sin, we're literally just saying, just, for that moment in time, we're saying, okay, I, I, I know the Word says this, but I choose to do this. And that right there is really the key to your life. The number one thing we're talking about again tonight is that we're talking about a value system 
And what you do in your life, you do to establish and make yourself feel more valuable than somebody else. Or if you have, continue to have a self-worth problem, you'll add to your value, even though it, and it never seems to be enough. You'll just keep getting more valuable, more valuable, more valuable, or make everybody around you feel less valuable. I know, I know I've said this before because we've had some, I've had some conversations with some people, but we've also said before that the way you view God is the way you treat others. Or reverse it around. The way you treat others is how you believe God treats you. So if you're short and quick and judgmental and like, that's the way you think God is treating you. See, the scripture says, Jesus says, love others as I have loved you because I've loved you as the Father has loved me. So the way Jesus was with us was the way he knew God was with him. Totally accepted, fully pleasing and complete. And that's so he loved and operated that way with us and told us to go love one another as he loved us the same way. So the way we're supposed to respond to one another is the way we feel God is responding to us. So if we feel God is hammering us, what are we going to do to people around us? Hammer them! Bless God in the name of Jesus! The only reason, the only reason you pick out everybody's, every sin in everybody else's life is just probably to cover up your own. <laughs> Don't look at me and say that when you say that. <laughs> no what? No. See, we're always doing things to make ourselves feel more valuable. And what's the scripture say? The scripture says, honor your brother more than yourself. Oh, there's that word. Honor. That's next on our list. This is going to hurt us all. What you let affect you, listen to this, what you let affect you is what you honor the most. Let me say it another way. Who you let affect you is the one you honor the most. Don't be deceived about the word honor. It doesn't, it's not always a positive thing or a positive scenario. You can't, you couldn't, because of your childhood, see, this is all heart issues, because of your childhood and the way you were raised, you could have had, been raised with a void of a relationship with somebody, and you always wanted as a child that person's approval of you, and you never got it. And you lived all your life trying to get approval, not knowing this, of course, but whenever that person, you can be 35, 40 years old, how many years later, and that person still be alive or even dead? And you can either hear or remember something they've said, and it can still affect you. Anybody, you know what I'm talking about? Somebody can say something. You don't even like them anymore, but you still have a void. You still have a desire to be valued by them. You want to feel worth something to them. I said in the counseling session with a person, the lady had to be 20, late 20s, 
had two kids, a husband, a nice family. Uh, there wasn't any sin in the family. You know, it wasn't like marriage. Well, the marriage was falling apart, but not because of anything that you would think. But she just had such a a low self-esteem. You know, and, and, and through. And, and by the way, most counseling is just behavior modification. I am not in agreement with behavior modification. That's why I don't believe in change. God doesn't want us to change. Does it call us to change? Uh, change, you know, change is change. If you change your behavior, you can change it. I mean, change is change. It's on the outside. You can make someone be husband, wife. You know, most people just want the other person to change so they can live with them. No, you want something. To, you want to be transformed. The Bible says, "Be transformed." And then change will take place. God, God will change. But this this lady, I'm not going to go through all the all the scenario, but they were having marital problems. She just nothing was, and it all boiled down to one instance when she was like four years old, five years old, a young age. Uh, it started where she began to her her dad was very abusive to her, not necessarily physically, but verbally. You know, she got used during that four or five. She started serving when she got old enough to serve coffee and do things at the table. The mom would let her do stuff at the table and started helping her in the kitchen. She'd make coffee, and it always it was around coffee for some reason. And the coffee was never good enough for the dad. He always found, oh, it's too hot, too cold, too strong, too weak. Just being negative about the coffee. Now he didn't realize what he was doing to her, but she got used to that. You know, that belittling, and it was pub. I mean, it was open. You know. It, it, and she just, just began, you know, grandfather came over for the holidays, and he belittled her in front of grandfather. It devastated her because she wanted to be valuable to grandfather. But father made her feel like she, I mean, made her value go down, and her value was all based now on a cup of coffee. Or the acceptance or the approval. Most people will quit trying to do things because they've been shot down for so long. If you're in sales, you know what we're talking about. The hardest thing to get, the hardest door to open in sales is your own car door because just the constant rejection. If you got a self worth problem, you can't be in sales, especially door to door sales. I've been there too. <laughs> but really, self esteem. Can be, you know, I've devastated. You know, uh, I remember something I did to one of my children. Just something, just I went real quick, made a quick response about something, and didn't find out till many years later that it's stunted her emotional response to God because she had so much honor for me, and I slapped it. Mm. See. We're affected by things. And see, you are the way you are because of what you experienced. But you are the way you are out of default. I don't know about you, but I want to be in control of how I respond to people. I want to be in control of my soul, my thoughts, my feelings, my emotions. And uh, I'm, we're going to explain this again. I was asked last week to explain the circles in a little more detail. Uh, just uh, one aspect of it, but Remember that we're spirit, we're soul, and we're body, correct? And 
we always judge ourselves according to our actions. The A stands for actions. See, we're action-oriented people. We're always judging. We're you know, if if you uh, if you lie, you're a liar, right? If you drink and drive, you're a drunk driver. We're always judging the inside according to what happens on the outside. That's the world system. Okay? There are people who do stuff on the outside, but it's really not the way they are on the inside. Alright? Our actions. Uh, we Thoughts, feelings, emotion. That's the realm of your soul. It's your thoughts, your feelings, the emotion, and encompasses the will. That's your soul. That's what David took charge of. says, Rejoice, O my soul. Again, I say rejoice. So every action we perform. See, we're trying to change our behavior modification is a process of changing your behavior, changing your actions. There is no way you can change your actions without changing your emotions. Every action you perform in life first has an emotion. It just does. Every emotion has a feeling. Every feeling comes from a thought that you had. So thoughts are blueprints of future. If you think about something long enough, if you think about your need, your selfish, no good need of the flesh, it doesn't matter how much Bible you hear. You think about it, you're going to have feelings started, you're going to begin to magnify it. You're going to, it, that magnifying of that, that emotion, you're going to use your imagination. You're going to see it in your mind's eye. You're going to start feeling it and experiencing it. And the only na it's natural then to experience it in your flesh. And it's called seeing. That's why Jesus said, it's not, not if a man does it on the outside, but if he thinks it in his It's not that he's guilty, but it has the same effect. If you think about sinning in your heart, the effect of the sin has already taken place. It's already affected you as if you'd already done it. So if we want to stop our actions, we've got to stop the way we think. Take every thought captive. And it doesn't mean that we... Don't think about it. I think I think I think Jacob was here when I, I taught, gave the analogy of taking every thought captive. You know, I reach out, you take something captive, you grab a hold of it, and say, "Come here, look what the word says." The word says I'm righteous, and God has given me everything I have need of, and I don't need that flesh over there. I it doesn't stop part of me. It's my old man. It's not part of my new man. I'm dead to that. I don't need it in Jesus' name. Deal with it. But if you sit there and dwell on it, ponder, think. Now see, does everybody know, is, am, I, am I by myself? Okay. <laughs> Sorry, worry, maybe I'm the only one who got problems. <laughs> Y'all be praying for me. You know, so I thought maybe that was, I was talking to everybody out there. Yeah. But, but see, the same power of your imagination, the way that works on the negative, everybody understand how it works on the negative? It can work in the positive. You think about being righteous. You think about being holy. 
you think about walking with Jesus. And see, that's what we, that's how we see the imagination. The scripture says, uh, it doesn't talk, it doesn't say imagination is bad. It says vain imagination is bad. You know what vain imagination is? Imagination that has no control. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Does anybody know what I'm talking about when I'm talking imagination? When you think of one thing and all of a sudden you're thinking, and there's no control to your imagination. The scripture says meditate on his word. Think on these things. In this class, and this is a class, we're going to deal with things like honor. We're going to deal with imagination. We're going to get you to imagine godly things. I'm not going to create for you, but in your mind, you're going to create a place where you and God, where you and Jesus meet. And you're thinking, well, that's weird. Yes, it is. I've never done that before in church. No, yeah. That's why we got the problems we got. You know that cycle of failure? You know, where, you know, we talked about it last week about there's two ways of change, and that's adding and subtracting. You know, either adding, you know, New Year's resolution, that's behavior modification. You understand that? <laughs> you know, adding and taking away. I'm going to do this, I'm not going to do this. I'm going to do this, I'm not going to do this. That's how you accumulate change. Transformation happens from the inside out. Okay? And we can use our imagination. We're going to start talking. We're going to get into, uh, as the weeks go by, uh, we'll spend one week just on thought. Because your thoughts, the very word thought, when you go back into the Greek and do the word study, it literally means a gatekeeper. Your thoughts are like a gatekeeper to your heart. Your thoughts will let things in and will let energy out. Matter of fact, there's a, right here, if you know anything, and I, we've already had this checked out, but back here at the base of your neck, right where your shoulders meet, there's a bundle of nerves. That bundle of nerves literally determines, you've programmed it, and it will only allow what you've programmed it to affect you. I mean the negative thing. Okay. Right. Right. Because you still want value from that person. Now, if a person makes. If a, they're saying these things to you when you know they're full of crap, but how does it, how, why would it affect your emotions the way it does at the point you can't do your original goals or whatever? Okay. I don't, I don't understand why us as a person would do that. Because you still want value. You want their approval. You want them to, here, flip it around. <laughs> if they were to dose on you all kind of gratitude and, 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 Instead of being negative, be positive, how would you feel? 
Yeah. Okay. See, see, you still want. They, yeah, but if, there, if, if you keep trying and you keep trying and you keep trying, you put yourself in an unhealthy situation. Yes. It goes back to the issues of the heart. It goes back to the, why do people, it is proven without a doubt, there are, and this is just one example, I'm not picking them, and I don't know anybody, just that ladies, some ladies, will marry somebody that beats and amuses them. They'll see the light, they'll divorce that, they'll get out of that situation, they'll hook up with somebody else that divorce and abuse, I mean, abuses them and beats them. They'll get out of that, they'll go to another one, and they attract the same type of person. See, your heart's determining who, what you're allowing in your life because they think that's all they deserve. See, see, there are people. See, it's a value of self-worth and issue that that some people believe that being poor is all that. That's really all the life that they'll ever experience, and because they believe that, their heart will only allow that in their life. Only, and the only way out of that. And see, that's what Jesus came to heal was that brokenheartedness. Our value can't be from people of this world. Our value has to be from God the Father. Once your value's from that, then whatever they say won't affect you. doesn't mean you're going to run away, but you'll be able to be there and go, you're, you're honoring God's self-worth more than what you get from people. Frank. Mm. See, see, that is such a powerful scripture because the world has given us a system. We were born into this. Okay? We were born into it. And see, there, there's, a, there's something in me that there, there's some things in me that I'm still trying to pluck out of my past and put the script, put God into it. But it all started with me, first of all, getting my value, seeing my, my father instead of my father. And, and I don't want to bring my relationship with my father, but I desire, uh, this, is the, this is the father that I have. This is my, but it's because of what's in our heart. We still hang on to that stuff that just, it's killing us. It's keeping us. That's where we get back to honor. 
Now some of this may sound strange to you, but here again, the word says life and death are in the power of your tongue. The scripture which we read last week in Proverbs 4, it says this. It says, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it your heart springs the issues of life. Your heart will only accept what you believe. What you believe will come out of your mouth. If you hear someone that's been saved for 30 years and you never hear Jesus coming out, they really don't believe Jesus. The scripture says, if you believe in Jesus, as the scripture says to believe, rivers of living water will come out of your mouth. The problem is, all religion has done to us is try to get us and keep us in the cycle of behavior modification. Go to church, do this, do this, be nice, be this, but we're still broken on the inside. You can't really do... The, the scripture says, the word of God is sharper than a two-edged sword, rightly dividing the soul and the spirit, the joint and the marrow, the thought and the intent of the thought. Why you think? See, what you think. And that's what the word is. Word of God, that's what we're using. That, that right there in a nutshell is this class. We're, this is the word is going to start dividing. It's, you're going to start figuring out why you think the way you think. Why you respond the way you do. Does anybody here have any trigger words? <laughs> we got a trigger word man up here. There's some words that just make you go off. <laughs> because, because, because he was programmed that way. See, there, there's things that could, see, there's things that in, in, imprint on our heart, and emotion and information is what imprints. The greater degree, the greater degree of emotion with information is what gets imprinted. You have a church service where there's lots of emotion, and you find out that God loves you, it's going to get imprinted because of the emotion. Your heart is open to receive it. Something, something drastic happens in your life. And you feel rejected, that rejection is going to get imprinted more than if the drastic never happened. You understand what I'm saying? And so we are, we are emotional beings, okay? And that emotion will help us. And now we can turn that around. Back to this up here. Thoughts, feelings, and emotions create our actions. But what's left off of this is there's something that controls your thoughts, and that's a belief system. What you believe determines what you think. If you believe that you're no good, 
Your thoughts are going to be according to you being no good. Your emotions are going to line up with that, your feelings and emotions, and pretty soon your actions will perform things that are no good. If you don't believe you're valuable, I tell you what, just, just look. The people that feel they're valuable the most have a different kind of life than ones that feel that they're not valuable. Is it the circumstance around them? Their belief system creates the circumstance around them. You can literally change your world by changing what you believe. See, the world teaches this. I mean, this is not the world teaches. Uh, this is not. This is Bible. This is basic Bible. This is Christianity. This is God's wisdom. But it works across the board. You believe you're the number one salesman? I mean, that's a lot of hype. I mean, how they do it in the sales, they, they get a lot of hype, a lot of raw. You go to some sales meetings, it's like you come out feeling like you can conquer the world until you get your first five, six, seven rejections. <laughs> then you got to go to another one. Well, you have to remember, there'll be two out of ten, so that does no, it. That's it. That's just like Christians going from conference to conference to conference or from Sunday to Sunday to Sunday trying to get their dose of raw, raw, raw. When we're supposed to have it in here, 24-7. If you know that you know that you know that if God before you, who can be against you? It doesn't matter what your past is. If you know that you're loved by God, you can listen to all the rejection of man and still go out and love him again. Mm. All right. Uh, the goal of this class we're going to talk about that for a second. This is all introduction again. This is a little different because I'm not going to tell you what the goal is necessarily. I'm going to tell you what the goal is not. Okay? The goal of this class is not the distribution of information. The last thing, I want everybody to look up here at me. You need to hear where I'm coming from. The last thing I want to do is to vomit out a bunch of information to put in your head. I don't want to waste my time. And I don't want to waste yours. Because your goal should not be the accumulation of information. That's what we've been doing for who knows how many years. We've been accumulating information and never getting it into our heart. This class is about bringing transformation. There's going to be homework. When was the last time anybody did any homework from a Wednesday night or a teaching in church? See, it's going to be a different class. I told you. I warned you. And you know who's going to do the homework? Oh, you know who's not going to do the homework? The people that don't honor the class. It's that simple. Huh? The dog ate it. <laughs> dog already prepared. See, honor, see, if you honor it, 
If you honor what God's doing, you're going to participate with what God's doing. You know why I don't have a long list of people coming to me for counseling? They don't, usually they don't make it past the first week. Is it because I'm a terrible person? No. It's because I give them a list of things to do. And I tell them, if it's not done, don't come back next week. Why waste my time? They just want sympathy. Do I look very sympathetic? <laughs> Oh, come on. <laughs> Mercy over here. Mercy. But if you want help, I'll be here for you. Why would I spend hours in counseling for someone trying to honor what I've got to say? I mean, I've been there, done that. Not enough. <laughs> Yeah, they, they just want behavior modification. And usually of the other person. Yeah, they, they want, I, I don't know how many times I've been in husband-wife counseling and, and the wife wants it, well, they would just do this. Well, as, as long as the person, I mean, I've, I've counseled it in many areas. Well, I mean, I'll, I'll, we'll counsel, this goes across the board whether it's husband-wife counseling or not. It goes about counseling in general, just like this class. You know, please, I, you know, if it's just accumulation of information. When I worked at the youth shelter, I worked three to 11 shifts, and the, the counselor at the shelter saw the kids every day in counseling. I would find them sitting in a corner, practicing what the counselor wanted to hear. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> practicing what the counselor wanted to hear. See, goals are not the things you hope to accomplish. I hope you have goals. If you don't have goals, you better have them. You know why? Because the Bible says you need to have them. He says, write them down. Make them clear. If you live your life without anything on paper of what you want to accomplish, you're not going to accomplish anything. You will live a life of default. If you want a goal of getting out of debt, you better have some goals, or it will never. It's called wishful thinking. See, goals are not what things you hope for. Goals are things you determine you're going to do. And there's a heart difference. I mean, you can hope for a lot of things; they ain't going to happen. I hope. I hope. But if you determine that you're going to put your foot to something and you're going to get something done, now you better have a step on how to get there. But it starts with you having a goal. If it's, if it's not on paper and it's not clear, you're just going to pay that credit card minimum payment. How did I get into that? Years. <laughs> you're just going to pay the minimum payment just to knock off the edge for another 30 days. And you'll never get out of debt. See, the debtor has, I mean, the, the person that holds your debt, he's got a goal. He's got it on paper, and he makes it clear. Okay? 
and you see it every month. You need to have something you look at on a regular basis to get you out of debt. This is not a debt thing, so let's just go on from there. All right. We've talked about homework. We've talked about honor value. Let, let, let me share something else about, this may help you out too, Christina, about what you just said. And this is rampant in the church. Now when we get our bookstore back here and start bringing in the books, one of the first books that we're going to introduce you to is a book by a man named Jim Richards. It's called Codependent Christianity. See, there is a disease in the church called codependency. Does everybody understand what codependent relationships are? Even if it's negative, you're tied in with it because you're getting something from it. You have two people, they may hate each other, but they're getting something from each other in that negative scenario. I mean, we're not talking about enablers. We're talking about codependent, where you're depending on this and they're depending. And see, the religion, I'll say this out loud, religion is based on codependent Christianity. And it's rampant. The clergy needs the laity, and the laity needs the clergy. And thus, see, the laity needs someone to tell them and to feel, tell them what to do and explain everything and fill this void and make them feel. How many times have you ever noticed? Now, it doesn't happen in this church, trust me, okay? <laughs> Where everybody's out to please the pastor. You know, they're like, oh. <laughs> we know that. So, so, oh, oh, I've got one song that, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's like, come on now. God needs some of those in here. <laughs> You know, and, 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 and the—it's almost like a battle who can work their way up. You know, and here's the pastor, here's the elders, here's the deacon board, and here's the regular people. It's like you've got to work your way up, and here's God. You know what I'm saying? It's like the more you can please one of these, the better, the closer you are going to be with God. That sounds like the Roman Catholic Church to me. <laughs> It's the law. It's a standard of a flow chart. Anybody see a flow chart? President, vice president. Turn it, turn it sideways. That's all. See, it, 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 with, a, with a, a body of believers, you're going to have a mission. You're going to have a vision. But you're going out into the world. But that pastor, those elders that are leading the body in the direction they're going into the world has nothing to do with your relations. They're not in between you and God. You're as close and you're all that's why you can be here and still serve here. You're here, you're you're doing here because you're pleased here. You're not having to please man to feel pleased by God. You know how I many pastors in the pulpit just because they need the, the, the approval of people? They need the amens. They need the this to make them feel like they're doing a good job and preaching good. And if they weren't pastoring, they'd be devastated. Their identity is dependent upon what they do. They're a pastor. They're doing it not as a job, but as an identity. Their identity is in what they do instead of who they are. Listen, I don't need a church to be a pastor and a teacher. You know how many people I've taught without a church? I open my mouth and it comes out. <laughs> you know... See, your gift will make a way for you. 
But our identity can't be based on the gift because as soon as you get your identity on the gift, if someone challenges your gift, they challenge you. And you defend your gift. How many pastors have defended their position? Well, it's just like Pastor Shane. Some of them will. You have to go to church to go to heaven. No, you don't. So, anyway, turn the flow chart sideways. Go this way. Don't let any man be in between you and God. I am not in. I don't want to be there. Huh? <laughs> You're not going to put me there. But there's something. I mean, codependent Christianity is rampant in the church. There is no reason why. I, 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 we pastored a church in, in, in St. Cloud, Minnesota. And it literally, there was a group of people that separated themselves from another church. And they had been together for about a year. And it literally, the, I might as well have been counseling people that had gone through divorce. Because they had divorced themselves from the church they had gone to. And they, it was just like they had separated. I mean, they had married. Their, we're not supposed to marry the church. Our relationships, this should be... Anybody know who your covering is? Everybody say Jesus. 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 Come on. All right. Let's go on. Uh, we've uh, we're going to talk about honor, uh, codependency, value, dignity. And um, again, if you get your value from God, you're not going to need codependency. You'll break the cycle of codependency. You know, you'll break this cycle. You'll break. You'll you'll come out of the system that this world has given us, strictly by honoring God's opinion about you more than the world's or other people's. Okay. So the air conditioner's working now, isn't it? Everybody say thank you. No. <laughs> the air, we got the other. Y'all came and we got the other air conditioner working. That's why it's nice and cool in here now. Watch our electric bill go up. We got that. I think that's a 10-ton unit, maybe. We got that 10-ton unit going. Uh, again, we talked about that earlier. Uh, value, dignity, about making other people feel bad about themselves. Uh, and I'm just, I, I don't I don't need, I don't need to hear any amens coming from this end of the table, okay? Just sit there with halos on your heads and, you know, I'm guilty of this in my own home. <laughs> you know, just, you know, it's so easy to dishonor the people that you should be honoring the most. Tell you what, the scripture says for children to honor. No, we don't, it doesn't mean just do what they say. Honor means to hold of great value. And see, if you hold someone in great value, you listen to what they got to say. You listen to their advice and their wisdom. Scripture says, children, if you honor your parents, long life will you have. Okay, I need to say something. Whether I believe it or not, I think I'm going to hear it. Okay. <laughs> Talk about honor. It's about your son, Christopher. Oh. Well, but anyway, we were out camping, and I heard him telling another child, another 
Not a short right here. Anyway, I'm going to do something for God. You know, I think I've got a calling, she said, to, to do something for God. And Christopher said, me too. But he said, I want to be just like you. Yeah, and so he's told me that. And he was like, and he said, because I just think my dad's the awesome, and he's going to be just like my dad. And you know what I, I told him when he told me that? that? <laughs> I pre- I, see, I appreciate the gesture. But I, says, but I told him, Mrs. Christopher, I don't want you to be like me. I want you to be like you. See, why restrict my son to me? That's kind of like what I thought. No. <laughs> okay, this end of the table, be quiet too. No. <laughs> Got this end. We'll get this end. And you're good. You can talk. <laughs> I don't like this. Yes, I understand. Um, uh, turn with me in the book of First uh, Corinthians. There's some scripture. We're going. We're just going to talk about these scriptures real quick. We're not going to go into detail for the sake of time. First uh, Corinthians. These are some scriptures maybe you've read but never understood. Maybe you haven't even. You read them and just passed right over them. Maybe. Uh, these are those kinds of scriptures. First Corinthians chapter seven. This is powerful. Now, what I'm reading the scripture about is the fact, not necessarily the topic. Matter of fact, it's not the topic, which we could talk about that, but it's the principle found within the scripture. Everybody understand? Sometimes scripture uh, is information, and sometimes, uh, and scripture also can be principle. Okay, let's look what this says here in First uh, uh, Corinthians chapter seven. I'm just going to read 37. I have to read verse 36. But but if any man thinks he is behaving improperly toward his virgin, if she is past the flower of youth, and thus it must be, let him do what he wishes. He does not sin. Let them marry. Verse 37. Nevertheless, he who stands steadfast in his heart, having no necessity, but has power over his own will. And has so determined in his heart that he will keep his virgin does well. Wow! I know you didn't see this. How many people have a will problem? Everybody does. Listen to what this verse says. That if you determine in your heart, where's your will? In your soul. If you determine in here that you are going to be or do or not do something, let's just read what it says. Forget the part about virgin. Forget about this other stuff. Listen to this. Nevertheless, he who stands steadfast in his heart, having no necessity, but has power over his will, you have the only way, let me put it this way, the only way you have power over your will 
is if you determine something in your heart. Steadfastness. The scripture says in Ephesians, when you've done all you can do, stand. That's not standing. It is a something that happens in your heart. You're standing up in your heart and saying no, or you're saying yes. It is something in your heart. David said, I, my soul rejoice. See, he determined in his heart that he would bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Come on, this is good stuff. You can affect your will. If you have willpower problems, you know how you change it? In your heart. Why is the heart important? <laughs> hmm. Turn to another scripture. Turn to 2 Peter. This is powerful stuff. This will change your life. This, this will give you the tools to change your life, to be transformed. It really will. But guess who's got to use the tools? I can have all the nice DeWalt tools I want. Man, i got some new ones too. Thanks to the insurance company. i got some good tools. But guess what? i got to use them to enjoy them. To be effective, to build a cabinet. I've read this scripture before here on Wednesday night. We'll read it again for those that haven't heard it. 2 Peter chapter 2. Now again, you've got to look past the subject titles, the, the, the topic, because you're going to say, what in the world is good about this scripture? <laughs> I love this scripture. Um, um, <laughs> I guess we have to read verse 12. We're going down a little further, but verse 12 in chapter 2 in 2 Peter says this, But these like natural brute beasts made, uh, made to be caught and destroyed speak evil, of the things they do not understand. You ever notice those people that do that? They don't understand something. They just talk negative. They just try to kill it, destroy it, because they don't they don't honor it. They don't understand it. And will utterly perish in their own corruption and will receive the wages of unrighteousness as those who count it pleasure to carouse in the daytime. They are spots and blemishes carousing in their own deceptions while they feast with you. Now that doesn't sound, that's not a very good passage of scripture so far, is it? Listen next, it gets worse. worse. Have, verse 14, having eyes full of adultery, don't raise your hand. But does anybody know anybody like that? Having their eyes full of adultery and that cannot cease from sin. Does anybody, don't raise your hand. Anybody in here, probably nobody in here, it's all the other churches in town, just have a sin problem and you can't keep from doing it. You can't stop. There are some people that I know, there are things that we're trying to get over all of our lifetime and we can't seem to quit it. Having eyes full of adultery and that cannot cease from sin. Enticing, unstable what? Look up here. They can't stop from sinning. 
It's a soul problem. Why? Let's go ahead and read. They have a heart trained in covetousness practices and are accursed children. Now that's a, just an ugly scripture, but let's look what's inside the scripture. This is saying that the people that had their eyes full of adultery that couldn't stop from sinning, whether it's adultery or lying or cheating or stealing or whatever your someone else's sin may be. <laughs> and you just can't overcome your will because as the scripture says, the things I don't do, I do. And the things I want to do, I don't do. And oh, wretched man that I am. You know that whole passage of scripture, Romans chapter 7? It's because they trained their heart that way. So, if you can train your heart to be full of sin, you can train your heart to be full of righteousness. This is Christian, this is Christian, this is boot camp 101. This is Christian, this really should be Christian boot camp. If, I, if, if we could just get everybody to quit their jobs for one year or six months, give up the world and life that they're living, go someplace, run them through the mill, and I mean the mill, indoctrinate them in the Word of God, get down to the, some heart issues. But you know, there's places like that. There's ministries out there that do that for people that really are serious and really need help. You can go there for a year you walk the line. You study. You change your heart. You, you, and people come out different. Why? Because they determined in their heart they're going to get transformed no matter what their will said, no matter what their thoughts said, no matter what their emotions said, they're going to be godly on the face of this earth. Period. They're going to be who God called them to be. Period. Man, we need boot camp in the church. You don't be a drill sergeant? You got experience. <laughs> so it says right here, the way they were was an outcome of the way their heart had been trained. See, our hearts have been trained through the life that we've lived. If you want a different life, I, we've said this for years, we'll say it again. If you want something you never had, you got to do something you've never done. Because doing the same thing, expecting different results, is insanity. Most people are still trying to do this. I'm still trying, I'm still trying, and you're doing the same thing for 20 and 30 years. Guess what? If it didn't work the first year, it ain't going to work the 30th year. Well, that's all I know how to do. Well, the Word says do something different. This class is going to give you some things that's going to be different. I've never done that before. It's different. My resume. Look at my resume. What's it say? Not your normal, typical, average, everyday fashion. We're not going to go in circles. We're not going to worry about behavior modification. We're going to get down to some transformation of the heart. And walk, watch people walk out of here no matter where they go. With God coming out of them. Peter shadow healed people. 
his shadow. There was so much God and Peter, his shadow healed people. Oh, I want that. Silver and gold have I none, but what I have I give. What should we be giving? I mean, we can, I understand we need to be helping this and, and helping that, but listen, it's not about meeting the outside needs of people. It really isn't. I mean, we need to. But, I mean, that's a good thing to do, but our heart really needs to be about helping this in people. Or we're just doing what any other church can do. Our club, you don't have to be a church to help people. We still have, I, talk, I was told this week by Mama Dina that, that we've got food in the food pantry from last year's food drive. And that other people get that, I mean, other organizations get that food. There's food to feed people in this, but is it, does there have this? You can take what you learn here and you can pass it on. It's called evangelism. It's called the gospel. It's called touching people. They don't have to come here. Oh, this, this, this is going to be so fun. We're going to get, yeah, there's going to be, listen, there'll be different stuff you've never done. That's okay. You'll get used to it. Just, just work with me on it. It'll be all right. I haven't had anybody go to hell yet. Yeah, money back guarantee. That's good. That's right. That's right. Notice I didn't say time back guarantee. <laughs> but see, if, if, you, if you, if you, I really want you to increase your honor. Not for me, but for the Word. You've taken an hour and a half out of your day. And I believe with all my heart, what you're learning in here right now is going to make you sleep different tonight. And when you wake in the morning, you're going to start the cells. See, when you get into it, has anybody heard the word of the phrase microcosm, macrocosm? <laughs> Thank you, darling. <laughs> the, 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 the concept of microcosm, macrocosm is that in physics, what happens in the large spectrum of life is the same thing that happens in the smallest, the micro. Where the, what happens in the smallest is what happens in the the big. It's 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 all the same. Microcasm, microcasm. So, and there's some things when we start getting into DNA, you literally, because of the experiments that's been done, you can literally begin to change the cells in your body. Do you know every cell dies? You don't have the same cells you were born with. you realize that? Every cell duplicates itself. You cut yourself. Healing process takes place. I used to have a scar here, but guess what? Even the scar has gone away. It has to be a dramatic something to stay there permanently. Because inside your DNA is what... See, in one cell... One cell knows what all the other cells in your body knows. You realize that? If you know anything about doctors, and it's called DNA. You can take one strand of one little strand of DNA, which is that we're not going to get into frequencies because it's actually an active frequency. But 
You can take one strand of beef, and it's, it's a little smaller than that, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's like real small. But anyway, in that one strand of DNA, everything that you are is in it. That's where we get cloning from. That's where they get this. If you saw the movie Jurassic Park, that was a fictional movie, but the process is the same. Okay? So, all you have to do to change yourself is begin to change one cell. You change what one cell knows, it's going to duplicate, and when it duplicates, it duplicates with the new knowledge. Those cells duplicate with the new knowledge. Your belief system can change yourself. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. The tongue is a result of what is in your heart. Diseases from generational curses. People died at heart attacks at 42 because their mama did, their grandmama did, and their great-grandma did, and they expect to. Their belief system has believed and has accepted the world and allowed the cancers to grow to cause themselves to die of that at 42 because they believed it. Belief is a powerful thing. You know how powerful belief is? It's what determines where you live for eternity. Don't underestimate the power of belief. You're trusting belief for eternity. Can't you trust belief for earth? Didn't know that was coming, did you? This is not kids' game. This is life and life more abundant. But it starts with honor, the word of God. It starts with it starts with 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 holding the word true. Do you believe this or do you not believe this? Because if you don't believe that your believing can affect this, do you really believe that you're believing that for all eternity? You would think it'd be easier to believe this than that. Maybe we really don't believe that. Scripture says if you believe in your heart, you'll be saved. The word saved means healed, delivered, prospered, protected in the flesh. Mm. Let's stand up. I can't take no more. I'm scared Linda's going to gonna say something. It's going to say sad, now, if you'd like, we, we have the, this teaching on, I think it's 12 CDs, but they're two hours long. Uh, at the end, we may just duplicate those CDs. They were done in a different format, uh, same format, but different place. Actually, but, um, Father, we thank you. Holy Ghost, everybody just, just hold out your hand. Holy Ghost, we believe. We believe. I believe your word to be true. I believe your word, the gospel, to be your power unto salvation. I honor your word. I receive your word. 
into my heart. Holy Spirit, continue to teach us as we sleep tonight. May we lay our head down on our pillow, cast all of our cares upon you, meditate on your word, give us dreams and visions tonight, speak to us while we sleep. May we wake up in the morning ready for what is coming our way. And may we be more than conquerors. May we take charge. May we be in control of the circumstances instead of victims. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.